Welcome to the Fantasy Finish Line Podcast, episode 33, the 2019 Rookie Class. I feel like this intro is just going to go on forever, I don't know. I even skipped it like 30 seconds in. You don't have to wait for it. Everyone knows it. They know it's coming. It really does last like 15 minutes. <laughs> More intro for you. <laughs> All right, well, welcome back to Drink5.com's podcast series. This is Fantasy Finish Line. We've done 32 of these episodes. But before that... Uh, we we in various names have done many many more. So we've been I on the air for hundreds. a long time. So what what are we at now? Probably like uh, you say like eight or nine years or something of podcast. I think we started back in 2012 or maybe late 2011, just kind of dabbling, if you will. So little did we know back then. We knew very little back then. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not talking about fantasy football because we were always experts, but about the world around us, right? Of course. I mean. Back in those days, you also used to talk about TV shows at the end after the fantasy football talk, didn't you? But it was for separate. A, they were separate. Yeah, but for equal. a while, we would then do an, an entire, <laughs> like, on its own. We, we, we covered the Americans. We covered Better Call Saul. We did talk about, uh, we did some other kinds of podcasts, too. Daredevil. We're all over the place here. We should have done Leftovers, and then everyone would have wanted to just been so depressed. To, they wouldn't have been too depressed to change the channel. But what we've always done is fantasy football. So, although we've, we've gone back and forth with all kinds of stuff, we've always been here and now back in the saddle again, starting preseason activities at Drink 5. So I just wanted to mention to everybody that uh, you should be on the lookout for articles and more podcasts as we move into the preseason, which starts August 1st in Canton, if you can call that the start of the preseason. If they decide to have the game. I think they canceled it last year, right? Well, due to, yeah, just or poor, was it two years field, ago? Poor field conditions, yeah. I believe. Yeah. They should not play it in Mexico City. <laughs> so Broncos <laughs> and Falcons start us off, but we're all excited about... About football beginning again, of course, it's always uh, an interesting experience because of all the free agent moves. Uh, check out our last podcast from March if you want to get up to date with all of the the regular players that have moved around because there hasn't been much movement after that still. It's pretty much... It's true. You get like a week and a half of movement, but really the league is a... It's a 12-month-a-year league now. All of the off-season stuff is um, very publicized and very much in the public view and it's very you know of great interest to people who follow the league. Yep. Yes. I think I think the only change we've had is what Doug Martin's a Raider now. I think <laughs> I mean, the only thing that's happened since then. Isaiah Crowell tore his ACL. Uh Achilles. Achilles. Uh that's yep. probably worse. Achilles injury yeah. and then Jason Pierre Paul who was in a car accident will probably not play for the duration of this season either. But those are the only two major injuries besides some Tyreek Hill news that has developed. But we're not going to get into that stuff tonight because it's all about the 2019 rookie class. And the voice you heard earlier was Sean Foss, who is a regular contributor to Drink5.com and uh, is our college football and rookie expert here. So, Sean, you made the trek from Chicago into the suburbs where the studio is this evening. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, a nice 45-minute train ride out here. The express train, so that's good. Well, um, that's we great. We appreciate your trip out here. <laughs> Thank that you. that save you a good 15 minutes or something? S- something like that. <laughs> that. That just means that they don't they don't stop at every single stop, right? No, I think it just goes faster. <laughs> <laughs> well, then How why do don't they the always gas? do that? I'm, I'm obviously kidding. <laughs> 
Um, so, so we appreciate Sean and all of his contributions, and uh, it's going to be great tonight to talk about some of those rookies that maybe you don't know everything about. Well, of course you don't know everything about them. But um, even after reading a lot of the websites out there like Roto World and the ones that get more into it like uh, fantasy uh, footballers and stuff like that, there's, there's a lot more that we can talk about on in an individual basis. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to reach out to Jason or myself at DaveAtDrink5.com or Jason at Drink5.com. And uh, Sean's, Sean avail- Voss. Sean's available on Twitter. It's Sean underscore Voss. Uh, so, so please hit him up as well. And uh, we, we are going to always be doing this musical themes. And if you guess what's in common with all of the musical interludes that we have throughout the evening, then Jason and I will organize something nice to send you. So please email us or message us uh, on one of our social channels and uh, let us know if you have guessed the theme for the evening. For this evening. And uh, we're going to get into my favorite segment of the show, which has nothing to do with fantasy football. It's simply, what are you drinking this evening? Uh, Well, I have in front of me the Two Brothers Love of Hops, which is a hazy IPA. Um, It is a new style from Two Brothers. I haven't seen it before. So I look forward to drinking that one. I'm drinking the Brickstone Brewery Permanent Vacation Citra IPA. It's delicious. And uh, I think anytime anyone's getting together with friends or coworkers to talk about fantasy football, they need a little bit of beer in their system. It, it just uh, it, it helps, especially with trades. Um, the, more, the, more beer, <laughs> the more beer you give the person you're trading with. The better your trade becomes. That's right. That's right. And Sean, what are you drinking over there? Uh, so I also drinking the uh, the permanent vacation, but I am in need of another beer. Mine is. I'm. I was drinking it. So. So we've to... got <laughs> a uh, Lagunitas Maximus IPA uh, from Lagunitas from California. Of course, uh, being in Chicago, they have a huge brewery right here, also, which is where a lot of this stuff is bottled and distributed in the area, and that's delicious as well. Although I haven't had it since last year. I don't imagine it's changed very much. I'm sure it's still delicious. <laughs> um, so, Jason, uh, are you pretty excited about football starting back up? What are your thoughts? I, I, I want to enjoy my summer first, but I, then I am all about football. So, yes, I am excited uh, for football as I always am. But really, I uh, you know I, I like watching how the teams maneuver, uh, listening to the kind of drama that goes on throughout the offseason. Players that may or may not go to the voluntary, quote-unquote, training camps. Um, There's always something to talk about with the NFL, and I love that. And then, you know, when we get into the NFL season, it's four months of absolute insanity. Yeah. And I'll take it. Absolutely. So why don't we uh, just go ahead and dive into the 2019 draft. Um, Kick us off with some music over there. Went to the draft one year, the three of us and some other people. When it was um, when it was in Chicago, it was absolutely miserable weather-wise. Um, but this draft looked like it was a lot of fun. I kept hearing like numbers like two hundred thousand people at the draft. 
Well, downtown Nashville in is downtown, already crazy. Downtown Nashville, yeah. So, so adding the draft to it was was a pretty superb idea on their part. And my favorite part was how I heard a bunch of news about how it ruined bachelorette parties. That was yeah. my favorite. Yeah, I was gonna say probably like forty thousand <laughs> of that two hundred thousand were were bachelorette parties that were confused by what was going on around. There was like a bunch of bald forty to fifty year old white men going to see what was happening in the NFL. Yeah, <laughs> that is not what they were expecting when they organized this six months ago. But shouldn't they have? Shouldn't they have looked into what was going on in Nashville that weekend? Well, they they should. Normally have. you should, yeah. But you never know what people are gonna, you know, <laughs> how people are gonna take it. So the draft itself uh, had a couple of, uh, of things that were notable. A quarterback pick number one again after last year with Baker Mayfield. Uh, a couple of historically great tight ends, at least their draft spots, where two guys from one college were both drafted in the first round, which hasn't happened in. A very long time uh, at tight end, right? If ever, I don't. I don't remember. Uh, I don't have the stats here, but yeah, that's something crazy because tight ends are usually relegated to the back rounds. I got to imagine that there was more than one Alabama player taken in the first round several times in the last few years. That's not. That's not a new occurrence. Yeah, right, agreed. right. But but not at a position of lower value. Like tight end isn't valued the same way as like an edge rusher is or a quarterback. And to have two of them go in the first round from the same college is pretty rare. Yeah, so surprising, interesting, and uh, and valuable, I guess, a little bit in, in fantasy because we've had some lack of tight end um, uh, of value here in the past year or two, and even more now with Gronk retiring, et cetera. I'm sure we'll talk about that. Um, several good running back landing spots and a ton of WR2 candidates. And I just wanted, and that's my perspective, so I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts uh, in general on the strengths and weaknesses of this particular draft class. Um, so, uh, Jason, Sean, uh, whoever wants to, to just touch on that. This is what I think about the draft. The person that's going to pay for this is my husband when I refuse to watch football. The These are the women who had their bachelorette like, party ruined by the draft. Those, those <laughs> because so, you get married once, yep. how often does So they're like, I'm going to take it out on my husband? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's just ridiculous. <laughs> I will never watch football again. Oh. That sounds like such punishment. I mean, I don't even want it from her. to be like a male versus female thing because I know plenty of women that enjoy football, at least in you know reasonable amounts. Not necessarily 11 hours on Sunday, but you know what I mean. Well, most people don't like doing anything for 11 hours. No, even I would sleeping. I would agree with that. <laughs> that is that is a large. You amount. have to have a special kind of like excitement for a thing to want to do it for 11 hours i think we can probably say that uh having watched red zone or even just watching the football games throughout the day on sunday that it's the perfect amount yeah yeah so it's the whole day <laughs> I, I, yeah as for the real draft uh fantasy wise i didn't like a lot of what i saw in the first round just because i felt like um talented people were going to teams where they weren't going to be as fantasy relevant as they could have been you know, if I was designing a perfect draft, which would be, you know, to just maximize fantasy points, <laughs> then that's not what happened. But I think there's going to be a lot of interesting players throughout the draft that will be fantasy relevant in the years to come. Sure. And Sean, your, your general thoughts on this particular draft? I think I think this class, uh, I mean, in all the fantasy positions, so especially running back and receiver, the players are so different. Um, you know, there's such a wide range of skill sets. It's not like, it's not as easy to say you know, how good Hakeem Butler is versus somebody like Andy Isabella, who are now teammates, but they're just very different players and do very different things on the football field, even though they technically play the same position. 
And I think we're seeing we've seen that a lot, and it's it's just tough to know kind of how teams are going to value these guys. So you saw a lot of the guys who were kind of consensus top ten receivers or really highly ranked by fantasy experts going in wind up falling way below where people thought they were going to go in the draft. Yeah, I'd agree with that, and that's that's what I've heard from a lot of other experts in the field too. It's it's very interesting, of course, because there's this whole uh, curve that happens. You, you know, if you look at a draft. Um, people saying certain things about it and then it approaches and the hype builds and then uh, it comes to a crescendo when people are actually being drafted and then after the landing spots have been decided um, it really shifts the playing field because you might think uh, there's certain players I'm not going to name specific names because we'll talk about them but a certain guy you know for example might be the number one wide receiver out of the gate but then after you realize where the landing spots are he could end up being number six number seven just because he's going to be somewhere where he has a lot of competition or the playing style is not going to suit him or something like that. And on that note, for all the draft class, I'd like to go over, not specifically, but if we can try to cover for all of the people, uh, the landing spot that they that they uh, went to, uh, the path to playing time they're going to have, is it going to be difficult for them to get a lot of uh, starter minutes out there or is it going to be an immediate thing uh, college history, which is uh, a, a lot of Sean here, because he's seen you know tons of these games. He can give us some insight that um, that we might not be able to provide otherwise. And then an ADP projection where applicable, we could talk about where these players might go uh, in a regular fantasy draft in standard or or even in dynasty. And then how to pronounce some of their names or some of these guys who are, exist as a form of an acronym, uh, what their names actually are. <laughs> So I, I think that'll be fun. Uh, if you want to cover any other things, we can. Uh, if anybody has any specific questions, uh, please feel free to ask during the show, and we'll try to cover those. But let's just start with running backs. So we have where they're drafted, which everyone can look up, and we might not mention it for all of them, but we'll start off with that. So uh, round one, position 24, uh, Josh Jacobs was picked for the Raiders. And in my opinion, and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of occasionally pipe up with what I think um, from a semi-informed and educated uh, position, but not someone who's seen these guys throughout their college career, which is why I, I think all of the uh, takes that we have are going to be important. Uh, I think that he has a lot of receiving chops, but he didn't grade very well when uh, we were talking about uh, pro day and, uh, and, and combine numbers. He, he really uh, um, was disappointing to a lot of people. However, that doesn't always indicate uh, how good or bad they're going to be. I've heard Arian Foster is a possible uh, comparison player. Uh, of course, that's difficult to do because there's another guy who, um, who wasn't drafted very high, but Josh Jacobs was the first running back taken off the he board. He wasn't even drafted, right? Right, Aaron Foster was undrafted. I think he was a UDFA. Yeah, yeah. Foster was definitely an undrafted free agent. But Foster, unlike, um, you know, unlike Josh Jacobs, had a 1,000 scrimmage yard and actually 1,000 rushing yard season in college. That's something Jacobs never did. Okay. Um, I think the, the the big thing with Jacobs is that he's a huge outlier for a guy who got drafted in the first round because number one, he was not really pr- productive in college, and number two, his athletic testing was not great. And where did he go to school? Uh, he went to Alabama, um, which has produced plenty of good football players. Um, you know, but the the thing with him is he was splitting time at the running back position. He was stuck behind Bo Scarborough for a while, 
Uh, you know, and then obviously split time with Damian Harris this past season. He was never really the primary ball right, carrier. Right, exactly. But the thing is, his game on the field translates a lot better than his physical testing did. Um, you mentioned Arian Foster as a comp. I would say early career Frank Gore is probably closer to I've, what I think he actually I've heard a lot of that too, but but a lot of experts have been a shy. I can't remember that far back. I'm sorry. They've been, it was like 1965. I think Frank he was Gore drafted in 1953. I mean, granted, granted, Gore had multiple ACL injuries in college that sapped his athletic testing probably. Um, but, but well, it's Jacobs, hard to compare him to a guy who has, has been, by all accounts, like one of the uh, longest um, – uh, uh, had the longest productivity, perhaps, of any running back ever in the history of the NFL. Yeah, I mean, he, he just keeps on ticking. Um, <laughs> but I, with Jacobs, I think with his landing spot, I mean, you couldn't ask for a whole lot more because it's, he's going to immediately be the guy. He got drafted in the first round. You're not going to pick a running back there and then not use him. This isn't Pete Carroll. And then um, we had an injury and from the <laughs> starter. Right, right. So Crowell was the the biggest op, real competition for him. With Crowell going down, Jacobs is going to be a three down back. You might see some Jalen Richard on third downs, mm-hmm. um, but this is go, or maybe Doug Martin every once in a while on an early down. But this is going to be Josh Jacobs backfield. Well, they barely used Doug Martin last year. So I would I, I would be expect much this year. Bar I mean barring injury, I'd be really surprised if Josh Jacobs doesn't total more scrimmage yards this year than he did in any college season. He's going to come in and have more touches than he's ever had before. Absolutely. But we—that's a, a high uh, variability because we have no idea what he could do with those because he hasn't done it before, right? Right. But I mean, he's—he's he's one of those guys that when you go into your your fantasy drafts this year, whether it's your rookie draft or a redraft league, um, he's gonna be a guy that just on volume alone should be considered no worse than an RB two. Okay, Miles Sanders was uh, taken two twenty one. Um, and there's a big gap there, so not a lot of high running backs after the past couple of years have given us a lot of them. Uh, Sanders going to the Eagles, possible immediate running back one because they don't really have anybody there that is going to that has already grasped the position. Uh, I've heard a lot of people say he's the most complete back in the draft. I want to get your insight on that. Um, and then talking about the other guys that the Eagles have on their roster, um, is there any chance that there's a competition that he can't win? So Jordan Howard's not going to entirely go away. Um, Jordan Howard's going to have a role there. He might have the red zone role. He might have, you know, be the goal line runner and might vulture some touchdowns. Um, The thing with Sanders, um, you know, he's an explosive athlete, which is amazing considering the guy they just sent to the pros last year at the position to have another explosive athlete come in behind Saquon is it's something else. Um, But the thing that worries me with Sanders is he fumbles the ball a lot more than he should. Um, and he also tries to he tries to be a little more make more happen than what's there. Um, he'll bounce plays outside, try to make the spectacular play rather than taking what's blocked. So you might see some negative yardage. Yeah, it can get him into trouble. And I think if he can cut some of that out and be a little more downhill and get the ball up the field quickly, um, I think he's going to go a long way to his career development. But there's definitely some some things that make me think he's not a surefire you know, lead back in Philly right out of the gate. I do like him though. I mean, I think he's, he's, you know, at worst you're drafting him probably as a top 30 running back this year. Um, but I do see some red flags where I think that he, you know, he either has room to grow or things that are going to hamper him early in his career. So, uh, Daryl Henderson or Darrell, is it Darrell or Daryl? 
I always say Daryl. I haven't heard it pronounced differently. <laughs> well, I'm going with Daryl then. Uh, drafted to the Rams at uh, at round three, pick six. Uh, the question here is is that Henderson, uh, by all accounts here, uh, is a really great running back. And a lot of people are excited about his longevity in the league and him doing pretty well you know, in, in the long term. But the problem is, uh, is he going to be okay on the Rams because they have Todd Gurley? So the question here, in my mind, is, is Todd Gurley really okay? Is the arthritis something that's going to directly impact his career based on what C.J. Anderson came in and did last year? Should we be drafting uh, Henderson as a replacement? Because I've seen Gurley start to drop down in dynasty drafts and Henderson start to rise with people thinking that perhaps this could be a changing of the guard due to the unforeseen injury. Um, What do we know about the injury, Jason? Uh, So what I heard was that it was possibly arthritis. Which is just like it sounds awful for like a running back to be a long term knee arthritis this you know early in his career. And we and we saw CJ coming in and performing so well, even though they kept saying Todd Gurley is healthy, Todd Gurley is healthy. Well, you're not putting him out there. Yeah, they if he was healthy, they would have played him more. Um, but they clearly are you know planning on using him again this year. I assume he'll be the featured back. Um, so you know that's what they're talking about now. That he's, quote, a focal point on our offense going forward. You know, he's in a good place. His knee is feeling pretty good. Which is coach speak, though. Yeah, and that's, you know, and we're not going to see much of him in the preseason. So do you think... uh, Even if he was fully healthy, we wouldn't see him. Do you think, Sean, that Henderson's a good dynasty pick to hold on to? Or do you think he might actually have a role based on the problems that we've seen and injury uh, issues with Todd Gurley? So I I think he's going to have a role right away. I don't think it's going to be a huge role, assuming Gurley is healthy enough to play. Um, I'm really concerned about the Gurley situation just because it sounds like – I mean, they, they can say all they want that he's healthy. Right. Um, but you look at what, what their efforts off the field have done. They matched a restricted free agent offer to Malcolm Brown. Um, they keep know. getting other running backs. Yeah. Uh, and This is not and the then, sign of someone who's confident in Todd Gurley. They still have John Kelly, who's a guy a lot of people liked a couple of years ago that came in, and then they went out and drafted Henderson. Henderson is a really unique player. I mean, he was an incredibly efficient runner at Memphis. He averaged almost nine yards a carry each of the last two seasons. Mm-hmm. And we're not talking about small volume. He had 214 carries last year, and he averaged 8.9 yards a carry uh, and scored 22 rushing touchdowns. I mean, this is a guy who can make – things happen with the ball in his hands yeah um some of that was obviously aided by playing in a wide open conference where you can do those kinds of things uh, i mean conference usa basically is the big 12 <laughs> in terms of defensive play um i do think he's going to have a role right away i think they're going to cut back on Gurley's carries even if he's healthy just to manage the workload and make sure he's healthy come playoff time so you think like i do that henderson's a great running back but the problem is going to mm-hmm. be uh, is he going to have the usage to give you fantasy points or not Right. I th- I mean, I think eight to ten touches a game would be a nice level for him in year one. Yeah. But there's always that potential upside that if Gurley's health is an issue, boom, he can skyrocket. So he's more of a speculative pick with some value now. I feel like he'll probably <clears throat> wind up with more carries later in the year. I mean, Gurley, we know, wound up only playing 14 games. He had 256 carries last year. I think they were a little front-loaded. 
because he had those like you know he had what nine touchdowns after ten after five games or something. Right. Well, and, and like I said, I think the big thing there is that they're going to try to manage that workload earlier in the year yeah. to make sure that he doesn't break down come. December. They have a great offense. They're stacking it. Yeah. But the question is, are they stacking it because Gurley is not going to be around? I, it's crazy. I mean, I'm looking at Gurley's stats. It was still one of his best seasons. Yeah. Basically, as good as a, this, the year before, statistically speaking. Um, and he played one fewer game. Had he played another game, he would have had the same number of stats on average. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it remains to be seen. Obviously, in the playoffs, he was not there. Yeah. So, hopefully, it was a short to medium term injury and not a chronic injury. Right, right. I mean, I think the people are concerned that it's basically the, the knee that he tore his ACL in in college and that it's just kind of a, getting worse and worse over the years. All right, well, that's a good discussion. I, I think, personally, um, that we are going to have more of a discussion on the on the first picks, except perhaps for wide receivers. So I would like, Sean, if you're okay with this, just to kind of go through starting with David Montgomery uh, as quickly as you can to go over the rest of these guys. And Jason and I will just chime in if we have something to add so that we can move on to... Uh, another skill position um honestly montgomery might be my favorite running back in this class um i hate that he went to the bears because i'm not a bears fan <laughs> um but it would not shock me if he has more fantasy points this year than josh jacobs it would not shock oh, wow. me at all um they I mean, clearly want to use him a lot too yeah. i think i mean he's he's a much more versatile player than jordan howard he didn't test great at the combine he doesn't run extreme he's not a you know take the, the lid off the defense fast well like we'll talk um, about in some other positions it's kind of it's the it's the guy that the coach wanted. Yeah, and he's he's an excellent receiver out of the backfield and one of the most elusive running backs in this class too. He's a great fit. I mean, Tariq Cohen is still going to have a role, but I think he's going to make Mike Davis obsolete. I think David Montgomery is the guy uh, with Cohen still being mixed in as a slot receiver and and being used here and there and spells out of the backfield. I mean, I'd be surprised if if he averages if uh, Montgomery averages less than fifteen touches a game. So next guy on the list would be Devin Singletary. Uh, he got drafted by the Bills. Yeah, I mean, there's not going to be much value there as a rookie. Uh, he's going to be buried behind. Well, unless somehow LaShawn McCoy gets cut before the season starts. Which Ma- McCoy for, and Gore are both there. Ma- Turns McCoy, out the GM is a big uh, Avengers he's, fan. He's the big Avengers guy, and the spoilers were a problem. <laughs> uh, Matthew Berry put in a call, and I think LaShawn may get cut now. But... Uh, it's just a crowded backfield. Um, there's a lot of bodies there in that backfield. I mean, don't forget. Uh, They're both over Chris, 30, so there's going to be some games missed. I mean, yeah. Chris Ivory's a Buffalo Bill, too. I mean, there's, there's, a, a, lot there's a lot of How bodies. How old can we make in this backfield? Yeah, I, I just think, I mean, he's he's a late he's a late pick in rookie drafts. He's not a guy you should really be considering in redraft leagues. You mean in a dynasty draft he'd be a late pick? Yes, in a rookie draft for a dynasty league, he's a late I think he's a late So maybe the Bears pick. did the right thing trading up in that third round. So uh, the pick that the Bears gave up, which was kind of interesting, is uh, what the Patriots got. And they took Damian Harris, also a running back. Um, I'm going to be watching Montgomery and Harris all year to kind of see how that compares, but what do you think about Harris? I mean, I, I like Harris. I think he's a good all-around back. He was less efficient with his touches, though, than Jacobs was at Bama, um, and he's behind Sonny Michelle. He plays kind of the same role that Sonny Michelle would. I think he's more protecting against Michelle's injury history. Plus um, Rex Burkhead and the, and the whole uh, uh, carnival of running backs that the Patriots don't have. Don't forget yeah. the greatest running back in history, James White. <laughs> well, I mean, what, hey, he's pretty awesome. James, PPR leagues? That, I just called him the greatest running back in that's history. Right, James, that's right. James White's role is leagues. very secure. He's not going anywhere, but no. right. uh, the real competition, <laughs> Harris is basically, his competition is beating out 
uh, Rex Burkhead to be the number two yeah. early down guy behind Sony Michelle. Yeah. Uh, Alexander Madison went to the Vikings uh, at the end of the third round. Um, so he's going to be behind Dalvin Cook, uh, who, you know, all these guys sort of had spotted uh, injury histories. So, you know, what kind of playtime does he get this year? The fun thing uh, for me with him is that he, he compares favorably to Latavius Murray. So it's the Vikings like, well, we're going to let Latavius go to the Saints. We're going to get a similar a player. A new Latavius. A cheaper, younger <laughs> Latavius. I mean, that's it. These teams all have prototypes for what fit their offense. Yeah, and absolutely. they get a guy that fits that prototype. And that's basically what Madison is. He's he's a he's a bruising runner. He's gonna be, He's a good football player, but he is going to be behind Dalvin Cook. He'll be kind of the... the part-time thunder to the more full-time lightning of Dalvin Cook. I've been wanting to know about Bryce Love because I know that a lot of people really like him, but I never saw him play college games. I've only seen the YouTube highlight reels, which are pretty cool, though uh, you should go check him out. The guy guy is pretty uh, a pretty good running back. However, Geist should be the guy in Washington. Uh, I know you have Geist on one of your fantasy teams, so I'm sure you're looking forward to him actually playing in the NFL. Um, so the <laughs> question, take a snap. question for me is that Chris Thompson had some injuries last year. Chris Thompson was so great on the Redskins and PPR leagues. Amazing. But Bryce Love could be a guy who takes Thompson's role away. I want to get your uh, view on that, Sean. Um, so I don't know that Love comes in and immediately takes Thompson's role from him. Um but that is definitely the role that Love would play on the team. It's the same um, kind of thing. He's going to be more of a satellite receiving back. Um, I mean, he's he's very fast and agile, uh, can catch the ball, but he is he's not a strong runner. He goes down on contact pretty quick. But he, I mean, he had a great year at Stanford, and then he's been kind of derailed by injuries since. But could I mean, this could this be something where you know, like where Chris Thompson is generally a good pick in a PPR league if he's not injured? Could this take away from Thompson, but not give enough to Love, where you're kind of just making that whole RB two and and the Redskins moot? Uh, I mean, I I guess it could be, but I think it's going to take an injury to Thompson for Love to have a bigger role this year. Um, I think more likely. Thompson is still going to have PPR value as, you know, just kind of a flex play kind of so wide receiver be, when he's uh, healthy. He'll probably be sitting behind guys for the most part this year. I, I think so. Yeah. I think love is more – I mean, the Redskins love to take guys who have injury histories for some reason. I mean <laughs> – They also their, love to have – Or take guys room. to create epic injury histories. I mean, look at, look the Redskins love to have injured room. players yeah. in general. Oh, I mean, man. Adrian Peterson's torn an ACL. Yeah. Chris Thompson's been, been hurt a bunch. Come to the Redskins. It'll be good for your career, uh, they said. Yeah. You got Alex Smith breaking <laughs> his they leg do, They the do still have Samash Pirine, too. Don't forget about him. <laughs> I, I, I drafted him in a, in a rookie draft, and Pirine was looking like he would be good, but, of course, nothing actually happened. I feel like the Redskins right now are where all of these younger guys go to die. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Chris Thompson was my favorite player of 2017. Yeah. So hopefully well, he can I mean, check, jump in some And more. check down Alex Smith was supposed to make him so much more valuable. Uh, Ty Johnson on the Lions. Will he have a role in Detroit? I think so. Uh, but Kerryon Johnson is the main guy there. Plus, they have other running backs that fit into various positions like third down roles, etc. So Ty should probably just sit behind those guys, much like Bryce Love. Would you agree? Um, yeah. I mean, he's he's blazing fast. Uh, he's a guy who can can break a game open. But I think he's going to be more of a return man as a rookie. I think that's kind of the role they're going to see for him. But he, the long-term outlook might be to replace Theo Riddick as that receiving back. The only thing is, in college, he I mean, he wasn't a big-time receiver. He didn't catch a ton of passes at Maryland. Um, so that's a part of his game he's probably going to have to work on to get that role. 
I'm, I'm going to breeze by a couple of these guys. So Dexter Williams, these are all six-round guys on the Packers. Uh, probably compete with Jamal Williams for a spot behind Aaron Jones. He, he actually worries me for Jones long-term because he's kind of a blend of the strengths of Jones and and uh, Jamal Williams. Well, isn't it whenever you well, chat... Well, with a new coach, too. Whenever you chat fantasy about the Packers with their current uh, running back team, you've got Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams, and everyone's always like, well, if only one of them could have... The carries, they could be the guy. That, but, that could be Dexter. <laughs> yeah, that happens on lots of teams. But they always hate uh, They always hate on both of those guys, Aaron Jones yeah. and Jamal Williams, because they have a lot of flaws. So it's possible that Dexter could be a guy that comes up and takes over a lot of those touches, but not this next year. Sure. I still think Aaron Jones is the fantasy running back you want to own there, but I think Dexter, Dexter could be a factor a year or two down the road. I agree um, with that, but I think that Jamal Williams is going to be phased out personally. That's what I think is going to happen. I can see that happening for sure. I would I would say he's a guy I would stay away from. You're just um, hating on my dynasty team, dude. No, I don't even know who's <laughs> I don't even know who's on your dynasty team. Maybe Dave, Jamal Williams still. I don't know. So Travis Homer of the Sea got picked by the Seahawks. Darwin Thompson of the Chiefs. These guys in the sixth round. These last four guys are they all even making the roster? Well, I think Sean has something to say about Darwin. I, I think that Darwin is a guy that could take over if the right situation presents itself. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I mean, as far as Travis Homer, he's a special teams player his rookie year. I mean, there's too okay. crowded of a backfield there. I mean, they still have Procise and McKissick. Yeah. Um, and the pick last year, Rashad Penny. Well, they, yeah. they were. Oh, yeah, Penny, Chris Carson. I yeah. mean, there's too many running backs there for him to break they're a, into that. They're rotation. a running team now. They're just running all the time. So, But but as far as as far as far Darwin Thompson, um, you know, I don't I don't know if anyone listening knows who Matt Waldman is. He puts out a rookie, uh, basically the rookie scouting portfolio. It's a big publication he puts out every year with a uh, breakdowns of scouting reports on all the rookies yeah and he compared darwin thompson to basically a stronger brian westbrook uh if any of you guys remember him from the oh, eagles geez. i mean that would be amazing uh and he's playing for andy Reid. yeah um i mean i've also heard comparisons to darren sproles he's he's really sudden quick twitch athlete that just i mean he's such a strong runner for a time he's really small he's only like five foot seven or five foot eight but can run through people mm-hmm. um and I don't buy Damian Williams as an every-down featured either. back. He was great down the stretch last year, but he, before that, we all considered him just another guy. I mean, he wasn't anyone that you were targeting or looking at as a dynasty asset when he was on the Dolphins back behind Daniel Thomas. On no, the depth but track. I will tell you that I enjoyed having him on some uh, fantasy teams when he was oh, scoring two touchdowns a game there at the end. Yeah, that was a nice uh, <laughs> pickup, late-season pickup. Heck, yeah. <laughs> But I agree with you. I think that uh, that Darwin or or anybody there really even, has even a- the other new Williams, James Williams, could actually have a role too, just because he was a great receiving back at Washington State. Well, that I feel because Darwin's last name is not Williams that he is already starting from a you know a bad position. There should never be three Williams on a team in the same position. <laughs> I, I can agree with that. <laughs> um, uh, undrafted free agents. Uh, is it Divine Ozigbo? Do you know how to pronounce that? Yeah, uh, Divine Ozigbo. That's that's correct. Oh, that was um, like a one in four chance for me. I I think Latavius <laughs> probably has that role this year, but Ozigbo's got upside to fill that. Eventually, he'll be number three, but probably not fantasy relevant. Um, right. Anyone else that you want to mention that could be a sleeper or an other kind of pick from the running back class? Um, the, the one name that I'll say, um, Bruce Anderson in Tampa Bay. Um, he came coming from North Dakota State, so he's not really well known. Um. But he ran. He averaged seven and a half yards a carry at North Dakota State, uh, and is a really good receiving back. And you look at that depth chart, and I'm not sold that Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber are the long term solution there. Sure. Um, and I do think Anderson has a shot to work his way up the depth chart this season. 
You know, we'll we'll see how it plays out. I think a lot, the the new coaching staff has talked up Ronald Jones. Yeah, They've Bruce talked Arians up Barber. Does exciting things on offense. Um, yeah, he does. But but Bruce Anderson, I think, is a guy that that does some things that they're going to like, and I think he's going to. You'll see him on the field a little bit this year. He's a guy to to target late in rookie drafts. All right, let's move on to the wide receivers. All right, let's have a drink first. Yeah. More intro for you, Dave. I love the intros. <laughs> All right. As, as I give, as I give uh, um, the mic over here to. Jason and Sean, I just wanted to mention again, if you can guess what the theme is for all the music tonight, please let us know. But not not on the on the chat here live, just uh, via Don't email, give it away. Yeah, text tell message, us if, you, if you have our secret information, whatever, whatever you need. But we're going to talk about wide receivers. There's a couple of wide receiver pairs, so I've, I've kind of paired them up here, um, and we'll talk about them at once, even though they're not going to be uh, uh, actually uh, chronologically drafted. But we need to move a little bit quickly through here so we can finish all of the stuff. Okay. So, so let me start off just by mentioning the Ravens. Um, here's what I want to mention. Lamar Jackson last year, not so good at throwing the ball. Doesn't I think. seem to enjoy throwing the ball. But but in college, it's not like he didn't throw. It just seems to me that like he started off too late in the season. They didn't scheme around him. They didn't have the right play calling. I know, Sean, uh, we've talked offline. He thinks that uh, his, his throwing will improve. I think... It better improve, first of all. <laughs> uh, but they drafted some good wide receivers. They got both Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, uh, who's small, 5'9", 166, but was the first wide receiver drafted in the entire draft this year. And then Miles Boykin, who is round three, pick 30, and he's a big guy, almost the opposite of Marquise Brown, uh, 6'4", 220. Uh, so the question is, uh, will they utilize those? Uh, how is the progression of Lamar Jackson related to these receivers? And uh, what do you think the outcome is as far as uh, standard fantasy draft for next year? Where would, where would you draft those guys? Um, so for me, um, I actually – and this is – I mean, I like actually like Boykin better than Brown. Um, in this position or in general? So I think Boykin is going to lead the Ravens in receiving this year. Okay. I, um, I think Brown is – He's an excellent player, but the place that he wins is with his speed. Um, he's a deep threat. Yeah. Um, so he's that's be, not going to matter on this team. He, well, he's, this team. A, he's certainly a guy to look at in best ball leagues. I think in best ball, he's going to be a lot more valuable than in a regular league. Um, but I also worry that he's coming off of a, a Liz Frank foot injury, which is really, you never come back at full strength year one from right, that. And right. it might really hamper where he wins, which is with his speed. But down the line, he's got. I mean, he's basically a lot like Deshaun Jackson. Is the kind of the type of player he's going to be. Okay, okay. Just that speedster that can beat you downfield. Boykin is. I mean, he's like a souped-up Anquan Bolden. I mean, he's big. He's oh, physical, like and he can run. I mean, he's fast. He's yeah. one of the best. He was a freak at the. These guys are so fast when they're young, and they haven't been hurt yet. It's yeah. amazing. So, I, th- this is what worries me about this: is that they spent a, a high draft pick on a guy who is supposed to be a stellar receiver. And they have a quarterback who threw it less than 23 times per game when he started. His average yards per attempt is seven. Or for, per, is it per, yeah, it's per attempt. And usually, like, seven or eight is a good yards per completion average. 
I, I don't disagree with you. The volume's worrying. Um, I do think it goes up a little bit this year. I think he's going to be more efficient with his attempts. And I think the volume goes up a little bit because they did add some passing game weapons. But I do think that that's always going to be a concern that they still want to be a running team I think first. that team is mostly going to be Jackson and Ingram uh, for as many yards as they can get pretty much this year. But yeah, I, I, mean, I agree with Sean, though. I mean, the, the, there's no way they don't improve because... 170 yards per start last year. Yeah. He has to improve. It's a travesty. <laughs> it's, it's less than 170. So... So we talked about Marquise and Boykin. Um, let's move on to a pick that a lot of people think might be, uh, you know, uh, uh, in the running for the number one pick for standard leagues. In in a rookie draft in a dynasty, people are talking about Josh Jacobs and they're talking about Nikhil Harry. And Nikhil Harry on the Patriots is the first time this century the Pats have drafted a first round wide receiver. That means a lot. And they just lost Gronk. They have a target deficiency. Um, you know, they're looking for a big guy to pass the ball to. Tom Brady's in his waning years. Um, I feel like a lot of people do. I think that that it's tough to draft a, a wide receiver that the Patriots bring in because half the time, seventy-five percent of the time, even they don't use him. But don't you think that this uh, draft uh, value must mean something here in fantasy world? Uh, you know, I, I have a tough time, like, buying that the Patriots are going to be able to draft a good wide receiver. Malcolm Mitchell, um... Well, Nikhil was a top guy, regardless of what team was going to take him. I, I understand. But they don't know, you know, Aaron Dobson. These are, like, the big names that they've drafted at wide receiver. Well, when was Aaron Dobson drafted? Aaron Dobson was a uh, second-round pick in 2013. So they, they haven't drafted many at all. And, and some of the guys I'm skipping are guys who've never even played for him uh, that they had drafted in later rounds. But um, they, they don't draft wide receivers very often at all. Julian Edelman, late in 2009, is, you know, you got to go back 10 years to get a good wide receiver that they picked. Sure. So, I mean, Deion I'm Branch just saying is there's no name. history of them doing this right. It's not like the Steelers who seem to find a guy every year. But that doesn't mean that we, we shouldn't look into this and say they're going to use him a lot. I, I think they'll try to use him a lot, but they have a, they've shown me that they're not good at developing rookie wide receivers. Well, then let's talk to Sean about how good Nikhil actually is. So he, he's a really good player, but I worry that his, the, the strongest parts of his game don't necessarily mesh with the strongest parts of Tom Brady's game. Um, if you look at the receivers who have been really successful with Brady, they're these kind of smaller, quick guys that get, get quick separation. Short to intermediate, accurate passing. Exactly. And Harry is more of a big physical guy who wins contested catches, which Brady doesn't throw a lot of contested balls, which, I mean, then again, he did with Gronk. And I think if, if he's willing to trust, if he can trust Harry the way he trusted Gronk, we're going to see, I think, some good success from Harry. But, um, the big thing is that they're obviously revamping the offense. They don't have Gronkowski. It's going to be it's going to be a completely different looking offense. They're going to change. They're going to change it up. Yeah, it's Austin Safarian Jenkins can't just step into that role. It's going to be a totally different revamped offense. No one yeah. can step into a Gronk and, role. And as a result, they said they're going to have other members of the offense be the focal points. I think Harry has a chance to be that. I think you're probably looking at him in terms of drafts. Being around wide receiver 25 or 30, somewhere in that range, is probably going to end up going. Okay, let's talk about uh, Debo Samuel and Jalen Hurd. You're a 49ers fan, Sean, so talk us through this. What I find most interesting uh, 
is that uh, Debo Samuel is kind of like uh, a Pierre Garçon a slot player for Garoppolo that it could be this new young guy. And Jalen Hurd, very interesting story, uh, was in front of Elvin Kamara in Tennessee as a running back. Uh, he wanted to switch to wide receiver. They didn't let him. He transferred to another school and then played as a wide receiver there. So he's still new to the position. But a lot of people think Hurd is 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 going to progress rapidly. So what is your take on those guys? Um, honestly, I, I love what the Niners did as far as building their football team. I love the players they picked. Um, but the thing is, they've got a ton of depth at all their skill positions. I mean, that's been their, their big thing. I mean, I think Hurd is going to take some time to develop. I don't think he's going to be a focal point in the first half of this season. Uh, I think Debo Samuel and uh, and Dante Pettis are going to be their their starting receivers. Marquise Goodwin will mix in a bit too. So those three are going to make up their their top three receivers for the most part. So does does drafting Samuel mean that Pettis will take a little bit of a hit? Because a lot of people were very very high on Pettis. Yeah, he kind of busted out late in the I, season. I honestly think the guy whose volume takes a hit is Goodwin. Um, not that he had a ton of volume last year anyway. Um, I think Pettis and Samuel are kind of the future, and Goodwin's been kind of a stopgap guy. Well, last year was a busted the team, year yeah, for really him got, anyway. They really got hit by the injury bug in San Francisco. Sure. Yeah. I mean, a, a lot of it's going to be so you hinging think, you on think, a healthy Garoppolo. Obviously. You think Samuel and Pettis and their offense is going to be more of a kind of a hurry-up and middle-of-the-field kind of thing? Uh, yeah, I think I think they can definitely do that. Uh, Kittle's obviously still going to be a big part of the offense as well. George Kittle might be the number one receiver on that team. But I mean, they've got a they've got a <laughs> slew of good running backs too. I mean, they've yeah. got a really they interesting Tevin group. Coleman this Tevin year. Coleman, Jarek McKinnon comes back he off the that. injury. You still have Breda. Yeah, they'll have a good group. And Breda uh, was leading the league in yardage like most of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah they've got a really interesting group of of skill players. But yeah, Hurd is definitely more of an end of the draft kind of guy in rookie drafts to stash because they're talking about him playing some tight end. They're talking about him doing all kinds of things. Um, but Samuel's the guy to really look at if you're looking for value this year uh, among these two rookies. All right, can you take us down the next couple? So you got AJ Brown, who was drafted in the second round by the Titans. Um, what's he? You know, where did he go to school? Uh, AJ Brown went to Ole Miss. He was a teammate of another guy we're going to get to in a little bit uh, in DK Metcalf. Um, but Brown is a good overall player, but he lands in a spot that the volume is going to be questionable. Definitely. Um, I mean, they're talking about Derrick Henry being the focal point of the offense. and um, yeah, Only a few years too late, but it may still work for them. <laughs> it, it could. They're going to play some uh, – it's not going to be called exotic smash mouth anymore because that was who – I forget the coach, <laughs> but it's it was not uh, Vrabel. But um, – they're going to be looking at uh, – I mean, Corey Davis is going to benefit from A.J. Brown taking some defensive attention away from him. Um, we haven't really seen Mariota with a full slate of healthy weapons and himself fully healthy. Um, hopefully he takes a huge step forward, but if he doesn't, A.J. Brown's probably not going to help you much in fantasy this year. Tannehill to Brown. Uh, Miko Hardman got drafted by the Chiefs. <laughs> uh, he looks like he could be Tyreek Hill 2.0. Uh, hopefully just on the football field and not off the football field. Yeah, we're hoping, yeah. <laughs> but he, he's got Patrick Mahomes throwing him the ball. So how good can this be? He he has the wheels. He doesn't have nearly the ball skills that Tyree Kill does. I, I mean, You're saying his balls aren't as big. I, I mean, I didn't He does say not that. have the biggest balls in the, of the ball. <laughs> uh, I mean, you're not going to uh, – on the football field, you're not going to replace Tyreek Hill with one guy. It's going to be a committee thing. They're going to find other guys, other playmakers to get the ball in the hands of, guys like Darwin Thompson, guys like uh, – I mean, Hardman is going to be part of that. But maybe James They've Williams. They've got Sammy Watkins. Yeah. Sammy Watkins. You need a healthy Sammy Watkins. And, of course, really Travis Kelsey. Things. Oh, well, of course. So a, lot, a few of these teams where we're bringing up the wide receiver core a lot, they have amazing tight ends. We were talking about the Eagles, well, with running backs, but 
you know, the Eagles, the 49ers, and the Chiefs yeah. all lead the league at that position. I mean, but they're the, the top three for sure. They definitely are. <laughs> the interesting thing about the Chiefs is that they have such a um, a dynamic passing offense that, yeah, you've got Watkins, et cetera. It doesn't really matter who you have there as long as they're good enough to slot in to allow for Reed and Mahomes to utilize them in the offense. And so Hardman could definitely be good. Uh, I, I, you know, I put Tyreek Hill 2.0 because he's super fast. Like he said, wheels. But he's not the same guy. Right. Uh, well, Tyreek Hill was just wheels early in his career. Well, and I he think... He developed into a wide receiver over a few years. Well, he was, he was also... Wasn't he drafted as a running back? I, I don't know. I, don't, I mean, not, he was a return guy at Maybe first. not, but he was used out of the backfield a lot his rookie year. He, he was like a gadget player. Yeah, his original position ways. was not strictly wide receiver. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, let's let's move on. I got to I got to uh, mention by the way that that what we're talking about right here from AJ Brown two nineteen. Uh, all the way up to basically Deontay Thompson at 302 was what we would consider in regular fantasy drafts to be a uh, wide receiver run. So this was basically yeah, yeah. this was basically all the teams saying, oh, you're drafting wide receivers. Oh, God, I have to draft one as well. <laughs> and so now we move on to the Eagles wide receiver. Yeah, that's seven wide receivers picked in about uh, twenty less than 20 picks yeah. for the NFL. That's a lot. So that's J.J. How do you pronounce that last name? Uh, Is it that's J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Arcega. Uh, so he played basketball in college. Oh, so he must be a tight end. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's not. He's big. He's physical, but he's not a tight end. Um he is going to basically play the same role as Alshon Jeffrey, which means he probably won't play a ton as a rookie. Um, he's maybe a late stab at a wide receiver in rookie drafts. Or I'm not in rookie drafts, but in redraft leagues. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that if they eventually decide to move on from Alshon, there's a, he'd be a great fit to, to replace him. They're just giving a lot of targets to Wentz, which is a good move because Wentz will be there for a long time. And I, I think the Eagles could be pretty good with Sanders and these new targets. Uh could, could be a pretty good offense. Paris Campbell on the Colts is a guy that I really like, mostly because he's a decent wide receiver that's on the Colts that has available targets. So yeah. outside of uh, T.Y. Hill, a lot Hilton, of room on the Colts. You know, you don't have Dante Moncrief there anymore. Uh, you've I mean, got, he, two years now without him. <laughs> true. They're looking for more targets in the in the receiving game. Paris Campbell should be good. But I don't know a lot about him in college. So I mean, you can shed some quick light on Campbell and whether or not he would be someone to draft in a redraft league this year. Oh, yeah. For PPR, he's going to be great. I think people are going to love him as a wide receiver three for a lot of this season. It might not happen the first couple weeks of the season. Uh, as he kind of gets acclimated, um, I mean the, the people. The concern with Campbell is just that his average depth of target in college was, I think, less than five yards. I mean, right, he so was all passes. a lot of quick short throws. But Andrew Luck throws a lot of quick short throws, mm-hmm. and from everything I've seen or heard from scouts that have kind of watched film on him uh, and really studied his game, he has the ability to run some of those deeper routes that he just he just wasn't used that way at Ohio State. Um, I do think he's going to certainly catch more balls than Funchess. He probably won't have more touchdowns than Funchess. Um, but I think he's going to be a guy who slots in as a wide receiver three, wide receiver four. So if you're in a PPR league, uh, so in is standard he literally a slot player? Um, I think he's going to be used mostly in the slot. Okay. I mean, him and T.Y. Hilton may be interchanged in and out of it. Um, but I think you'll see Campbell mostly in the slot. Moved Funchess around. Funchess will be on the outside, yeah. But if you're if you're playing in the standard league, then is is he a guy that you would draft, uh, like you said, as like a wide receiver four and be happy about it, even though he's a rookie? I think because he's a rookie, you can get him at a little bit of a discount of what he'll actually do. So maybe mm-hmm. later rounds, and he's not one of the big names in the rookie class. But right you now. expect him to get drafted at the end of the draft, probably in a redraft league. Yeah, I think 
wide receiver five is probably about where he'll be drafted in most redraft. Do we talk about landing spots, et cetera? Like if any of these earlier wide receivers had been drafted to the Colts, then they would have been much higher uh, because there would be an immediate need. Oh, if they took Marquise Brown, I'd be so excited. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, he didn't. I don't think he lasted that long. I don't know if the Colts were picking that late. We'll talk about Kyler Murray later, but he got two good wide receivers, or or good as good as you know subjective, but two different kinds of wide receivers. Uh, and Andy Isabella at two thirty, and uh, Hakeem Butler at four oh one. And one is a giant red zone target that's a ridiculous athletic specimen. The other guy's 5'8 and 188 pounds, but he's super fast and really athletic. Um, which one do you think will, will be the best for fantasy production this year and going forward? Um, it's, that's a tough call just because I'm not sure how, where, where these guys are going to fit in the offense right away. Um, are the Cardinals going to line up with four wide receivers all the time? If so, they're going to both be on the field a ton. If they're playing a little bit more... Three wide receiver sets, you're going to see probably more Hakeem Butler than Andy Isabella because Christian Kirk is better in the slot. Larry Fitzgerald plays a lot of slot. It takes away from where yeah, Larry's going to be on the field the whole damn time for sure. Yeah, so I mean, I would I would basically argue that if if they're going to play a lot of three receiver sets, you're going to see more Butler than Isabella. I think they're going to play more four. Uh, and have both on the field, and because of that, I think I like Isabella a little better this year. They liked him what thirty picks earlier than they liked than they picked Butler. Yeah, uh, and that's I think true. that that kind of shades my opinion, and that I think that he's going to get more opportunity early. But I mean, they're very different players. They, I mean, they basically play different positions with the way they play the game. <laughs> and then you know, the, their coach now um, refresh me. Uh, uh, Cliff Kingsbury. Cliff, yeah, I knew it was... Uh, he was an air raid quarterback at Texas Tech, yeah. and then was a head coach. Uh, also at Texas Tech, running that same system. He coached Mahomes uh, there at Texas Tech and was going to be the offensive coordinator at USC. Uh, and then, when they, then wouldn't, got, when they wouldn't let him take the interview with the Cardinals, he left that job, took the interview, took and, got, the and interview. got hired. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes you got to do what's best for you. Um, so that'll be interesting. A lot of uh, a lot of college stuff getting thrown in there in Arizona. So we'll keep an eye on them. You'll, yeah. You can – uh, update us on them throughout the season. Yeah, so, and, and Butler was interesting too, just because a lot of fantasy analysts have him as one of their top two or three receivers in this class, but he got drafted as like the tenth guy off the board. He, yeah, so, yeah, he fell pretty far. I mean, uh, <clears throat> another guy who was really high on the draft board uh, early in the year was DK Metcalf. Uh, he went to the Seahawks, better known as Dekalen to his family, I think. Dekalen <laughs> Metcalf. Uh, he went to, at the end of the second round, and Doug Baldwin's probably, possibly not going to play anymore. Um, so DK Metcalf, um, is he going to open up that offense a little bit? I mean, he can, he can take the top off a of defense. Um, I mean, they're going to ask him to run a lot of just a lot of nine routes, a lot of deep balls, uh, right. just chuck it up and let him go win a contested catch. I mean, keep that extra player out of the box. So Russell Wilson doesn't have to run around quite as much. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he he's had injury concerns. He had a neck in, issue and a foot issue in college. He didn't have a 1000 yard season at, at Ole Miss. Um, but man, he's a physical freak. I mean, he's in incredible shape. Yeah. Um, can't can't turn very much. He doesn't have a ton of agility. I think his, I saw. I forget if it was his three cone. He needs drill to learn blue steel. One of, no, one of his um, <laughs> one of his athletic tests. I don't remember if it was the three cone or the short shuttle. Three he had cone. The same time as Tom Brady. It was and three it was cone. Like, oh my god. <laughs> it was like nine point five or like something. His agility yeah. is not. Good. I think we could find pick someone up off the street who would. 
like be better than Tom Brady at the combine. But yeah. the upside is there, uh, especially with Russell Wilson. I know they want to run the ball a ton, but with Russell as his quarterback, they're going to get him the ball. In and good I spot. think this is going to help them run the run the ball some. Yeah. So Dave, your team, the Steelers, drafted Deontay Thompson in the beginning of the third round. The Steelers, as I mentioned earlier, have a great history of picking up guys late and turning them into stars. You know, I'll I'll, I'll defer to to Sean as to how he likes Thompson, but I'll say this. Um, right now, they have a lot of good players um, at the wide receiver position with Juju, uh, James Washington, who has started developing into something, but we'll see this year if he actually turns into something. And Dante Moncrief, who they picked up, who should actually turn into a pretty good uh, prospect for them. So I feel like Thompson could be good in a couple of years, but I don't think he'll immediately fall into a, a starting role. Yeah, they've got Eli Rogers, Ryan Switzer as well. So Well, Rogers us. is on his way out, but Switzer okay. will stay there for a so, while. But yeah, Sean, tell us about Deontay. So he's a guy I'm actually I don't know as much about as some of the other guys in this class, but the Steelers do have a great track record of picking good wide receivers. Yeah. yeah. Um I mean I the question is is he gonna get on the field as a rookie? And I mean I don't know the answer to that. My guess is possibly not probably like James not Washington, much. probably not much. Right. I'd love to see Washington take a step forward. Um Me too. but it, I mean, it's it's kind of up for grabs after Juju as far as the rest of that depth chart, and I wouldn't chase him in a draft. I would probably, again, he's a late flyer. You know, even in even in rookie drafts for dynasty leagues, he's probably more of fourth, fifth, sixth round pick. And they're uh, gonna throw the ball to James Conner a lot too. Yeah. So I, I I don't think Thompson is a is a guy to chase after. I totally agree with you, Sean. Uh, but it could be someone that you you know be a good dra- five uh, years dynasty. from now. He could be Emmanuel Sanders. Well, you know, Antonio Brown was drafted <laughs> in like the sixth round, the same year that like Des Bryant and. Um, uh, Demarius Thomas were drafted. Like the same year, big wide receivers were drafted. He wound up being better than all of them. Well, I think it's more about. Uh, and I think it was the development from the team. It's the development, and and not even necessarily maybe who they're picking, but the fact that they put him in their system, they let him sit there for a while, and then they turn into a good receiver. So that speaks more to the coaches than almost it does to the players. Sure. So the Redskins took Terry McLaurin. Um, Dwayne Haskins, who they also drafted, right? Uh-huh. Uh huh. It was his quarterback so is that gonna you know they're gonna have an immediate connection there do you like McLaurin as uh some guy to contribute this with year? the Redskins they don't really have any outstanding receivers right now they have Josh they Doxson have much that's outstanding they just all. traded away Jameson Crowder who's a great receiver to the Jets uh so th- one of these guys might step up uh, but I don't know if it's gonna be McLaurin sure I mean I think uh, well they, they they drafted McLaurin and Kelvin Harmon from NC State and and Kelvin Harmon was higher rated for a lot of people going into the draft than McLaurin, um, but McLaurin has that kind of burner deep speed. He's not as polished of a receiver as Harmon, but Harmon doesn't separate from right. guys. So you take the the athlete and hope you can teach him the other parts rather than the guy who's not as athletic, um, who they got a lot later. Um, I don't know how much he's going to play year one. I think McLaurin probably has more upside the first year than Harmon because Harmon is fairly similar and not as athletic as a guy like Josh Doxson. They also still have Paul Richardson, who's going to play a big role, I think, still on the outside. Um, For me, I and as far as college QB and receiver pair, I don't know that it really has that much bearing in the NFL. I know four examples that I can think of that a QB teamed with a pass catcher from his college team and it's been a mixed bag. I mean, you had Andrew Luck with um, Kobe Fleener, which was not that big of a connection. C.J. Beathard with George Kittle, which was good when Kittle was tearing that the league up. Yeah, yeah. That might not be Beathard. That might have just been Kittle because Kittle was tearing it up with It might be uh, Shanahan's offense. I think what you're saying is that connection doesn't really mean Jack squad. It may not right. translate. Uh, okay. Jay Cutler, Earl Bennett. 
and then the other is yeah, but uh, that wasn't a right away. There were some really good high fives. I, I like I like that this is a right away sort of thing. Sure, in that I saw some good high fives. They both come in directly from the other, but. The, uh, the, yeah. the last one's actually good. a fun one, though. Rex Grossman <laughs> and Jabbar Gaffney, like 10 years into their NFL career, teamed for one year, and it was Jabbar Gaffney's best statistical season. That's awesome. So are there any other... <laughs> and they still talk about it every year. Probably. <laughs> any wide receivers drafted later who you like? Give us a name or two. Um, I'll give you... I'll, and these are going to be really quick hitters just because we're you know running through time here. Um, there's three names. I'm going to give you a quick one thing about each one. Hunter Renfro, Oakland, is the definition of a Gruden grinder, and he went to Oakland. Gruden grinder. Grinder. He's going to get snaps in the slot this year. Uh, I mean, I don't know what that means for fantasy. He's going to have some sort of role right away, though. Uh, Preston Williams at Miami. Um, domestic violence issue when he was younger. Ended up leaving Tennessee and going to chief, Colorado huh? State. Um, <laughs> but this is a kid who was a five-star athlete out of college. Six foot four. And his last year at Colorado State put up 96 catches, 1,345 yards, and 14 touchdowns. And he goes to the Dolphins, where they don't have a really big-time established receiver. Right. Yeah. He's got huge upside, especially with a new quarterback in Rosen that should improve their offense, theoretically. Uh, and then the last one... Um, oh, no, actually, that's... Uh, oh, yeah, Scott Miller, Tampa Bay. Adam Humphreys had 105 targets last year. He's gone in the slot. Miller has a chance to step in there. He's got Sucking he's, that up, right? He's going to compete with Justin Watson and with Brashad Perriman for that third receiver spot. Um, but I do think that he has a shot to get a role right away, and there's a ton of vacant targets. All right. There are your wide receivers. Start spreading the news. I'm drafting today. I want to be a part of it. New York, New York. Except they did really badly in the draft. <laughs> I think that a lot of people are panning the Giants just all around. They're uh, they're an easy target lately. Oh, I mean, they, they they could have had Daniel Jones with their second first round pick if they wanted. There was they no basically need. drafted Leona Mormont and got stabbed in the eye. Yeah, but they Game of Thrones did. Yeah. Okay, guys, let's let's do this. Tight ends. I'm just gonna Sean, you take it away, and let's do uh, just two minutes here. So Hawkinson uh, fans. Uh, anybody else who you think uh, is is a viable fantasy person in the next couple of years, uh, and then we'll just move on to quarterbacks. I think the only ones that you really want to look at for 2018 are, are Hawkinson and Fant, unless something happens with Kyle Rudolph, either a trade or he gets cut. Um, if that happens, Irv Smith is worth at least looking into. You know tight ends don't produce a lot as rookies. so I've been looking at that contract, actually, and I think, personally, that Kyle Rudolph will not play after this year. Uh, so if you think that's the case, then I would say in Dynasty that Irv Smith is a good yes. pickup. Oh, absolutely. But not in redraft Vikings, leagues right? because this year he won't do anything. Absolutely. Yeah. He's, he's a great option yeah, for, the Vikings. for Dynasty leagues if, you're, if you can wait on a year. Pick up and you wait. Know, wait a year on him. Okay. Um, Hawkinson is going to gonna help the Lions' run game and pass game immediately. They've tried drafting a tight end early before. It Hasn't did not always work. worked out. I think Hawkinson will be a different case. I think it's going to be better. Um, well, he's not even, what's different? Well, he's not even in the same league the, as Ebron. Like, he's he's an outstanding, well, outstanding Ebron, when tight end. he went end. to another team, had 13 touchdowns. I mean, it's not like he's a bad tight end. But I'll say this. For 2018, I would rather have Fant than Hawkinson. For long term, I'd probably rather have Hawkinson. Hawkinson is an amazing blocker and has great hands and can do other things for the team. Ebron was pretty much just a, a move tight end. That was filling in when when he blocked, right? So, so they were just playing him wrong. 
Yeah. Well, okay. the Lions tend to use everyone incorrectly, so. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> As, I mean, again, you mentioned I'm a 49er fan. I also love the Lions, and it's you're not wrong. You're not off base. Hawkins uh, is love one of hate. those early picks I was talking about earlier that I just don't like where they landed. Well, you might not like them in the first I, year. Tight ends generally like take a couple landed. years anyway yeah. to become really good. But well, because I've, you're kind of a Detroit fan sure, from time to time. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, but it's not like, uh, we, for example, in, in a dynasty draft, you have pick one. You're not going to pick TJ Hawkinson. Of course not. Um, but he, I would not be surprised oh, he's, he's if he goes in the first, the first round. round. Oh, he's, sure. He, he and Fan are probably both first round dynasty. See, that's picks. awesome. That's crazy. And Irv Smith should probably be early second round. I, mean, I just like in Irv. A lot of cases, it's a great Irv. name. It's Irv Smith Jr. Um, but Fan, I mean, obviously Flacco loves his tight ends. As long as Flacco keeps starting, that's Fan's true. a guy to have. Uh, and then as far as other guys. Jace Sternberger is the replacement to Jimmy Graham and eventually. Graham will probably Graham. only play for another year for the Packers or something, based on like his injury history and how he's yeah. waning. Yeah. And yeah. We gotta get to the to the main man of the draft. You talking about Will Greer? I'm not talking about Irv Smith. <laughs> All right, so I want to remind everybody uh, the songs that we played tonight, and there's still a song or two left. Um, if you do know the theme that goes through all of those songs, then please uh, reach out to us, Dave at Drink5.com, Jason at Drink5.com, or message us on our social media channels on Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, etc. Uh, let us know what you thought it was, and the winner will get some kind of uh, interesting piece of fantasy football-related merchandise. You'll get something cool. Uh, quarterbacks. So, the first pick of the draft was Kyler Murray. Cardinals. Um, a guy who won the Heisman uh, and was an electric player but undersized. He'll obviously start right away, even though Kingsbury, who's not very familiar with coach speak, said that he wouldn't. Because, <laughs> <laughs> But the interesting thing about this is, and, and Sean and I talked about this before the show, uh, Kingsbury gets everything he wants right now. So, whether or not he does anything in the next two years is going to mean everything. But, no matter what happens, um, I, I don't see any reality in which Kyler Murray is not in the top half of quarterbacks. Dave, you have no faith in Brett Hundley. <laughs> as far as offensive points, while he's playing in the next couple of years. Don't, would you agree? Um, yeah, I mean... he's. His legs are going to give him enough upside on on their own. Um, I mean, he's going to be running for his life anyway because they didn't really upgrade the offensive line. Yeah. Uh, They're like, let's and, just get receivers so and they, quarterbacks. You say they it's, gave you say they gave uh, Kingsbury everything he wanted except an offensive line because it's that's still going to be an issue. Well, you can't have everything, but because because of his speed, he's going to be able to protect himself a little better than Josh Rosen could behind uh, that line. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think he's got some wheels in his receivers. As well, to be able to create some big plays on broken plays where you know he's got to scramble out of the pocket and just play a little pitch and catch. With Isabella, especially, yeah. it's super fast. Yeah, so. I mean, and it's an offense. Like, Kingsbury's offense generates splash plays, and he's going to generate a lot of those. Um, he's absolutely a guy who should be treated as probably, you know, high QB2 in terms of redraft leagues. So, And he should be, super flex league, should be the first player off the board. And in regular dynasty drafts, rookie drafts, like mid-first round. I agree. So whether or not you believe in Kyler Murray or you believe in his longevity, he's still going to do some shit for the next two years. Uh, now, after that point, 
maybe he's gone. Maybe Kingsbury's gone. Maybe the Cardinals have decided let's go back to pocket passing. You know, uh, but but for the next two years, nice this is drops. this is an experiment that will occur, and it's for science. I think so, they'll blow up the whole team if it doesn't work just, in like two years. Just to give a little bit of, of background with a guy with this kind of athleticism, Lamar Jackson last year in the starts that he made was a top twelve quarterback, right? For fantasy for purposes. fantasy purposes. It doesn't take much when you can run the way this guy can run. He'll get his points. To get with his fantasy legs. points. That's yeah. yeah. So he's gonna be a valuable fantasy asset, even if the team is bad, even if his passing numbers are lacking. And they have uh Fitzgerald and Kirk and Isabella and Butler. Don't so, forget Kevin White, Dave. And Kevin White. They do have <laughs> Kevin White. Don't forget it. So I just want to thank you guys for describing and going over Kyler Murray and not mentioning the fact that he's short, because I don't think it matters. And I think it's been made way too big a deal of. Well, I don't think it matters much anymore because if you're a pocket passer and that's all you do and you're immobile, uh, it matters more. I'll say right. this. What what Kyler Murray going number one overall demonstrates to me is that if Russell Wilson were coming out today, he'd have gone first overall. Oh, absolutely. That was the only thing that well, he did not have when he Russell came into Wilson, the league was size. Russell that's Wilson it. had to do what he does in order for a guy like Kyler Murray to be drafted first overall. Sure. Is yeah. it the chicken yeah. or the egg? Sure. Well, and and Kingsbury being a young coach saying this is what I want, and and Kime uh, like saying okay, that's fine. Well, if you're Kime, you can't bring in a guy like Kingsbury and then tell him no to everything because that's it, true. It's not going to work out. It's happened before, and those coaches have failed. Right. So at <laughs> least you're giving him a chance to succeed. If he fails, it's going to be on his own merits and the players that he likes. True. And that's fine. So, so let's be quick about this. Uh, uh, One hundred six. Daniel Jones. Giants. Was it, it a reach? Absolutely. 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 I love that they put out a, a hype video showing yeah. how accurate he is, and every pass in the hype video was like a dump off or check Jason? down. Everything I've heard is that, yeah, like it, it seems like a very weird pick. The only thing I will grant them is if they were convinced that he would have been taken before their later first-round pick. If they were convinced of that, then I'm not as upset with this. Not that I'm upset with it. I don't give a shit about the Giants. <laughs> sure, I I think it's just they're gonna. It's gonna prove. <laughs> just kind of analyzing the use of the draft pick itself. Um, I I can see a scenario in which it's not a you know in which it's not the worst pick. But we probably won't see him unless he like gets injured until next year anyway. So yeah. let's just say this: uh, the Mannings like him. He has a Manning pedigree. He's been to the same. Eli's gonna play till he's forty-five, like Tom Brady. <laughs> And if and if he does, the the Giants will probably win about twenty five games between now and now. <laughs> uh, Dwayne Haskins one fifteen. Now I think he'll probably start in the NFL for a while. He's a good pocket passer, etc. But he's he's another guy who's kind of um, he's not a good mover in the pocket, and that's a problem. Uh, but the Redskins really right now just need a game manager who's good at passing, being fairly accurate. Haskins seems like not a bad choice for that. Yeah, I mean, he seems uh, he's a much better option in dynasty leagues than in redraft. He's probably going to start fairly early, although who knows? Maybe I mean, Case they, Keenum yeah, holds Case him Keenum off. Yeah, Case Keenum might wind um, up starting there, I guess. I doubt he, it. He, I bet Haskins starts. There's not a lot to work with, so you might as well. But when Haskins the in inevitably there. has his rookie passing struggles, he won't have the rushing floor to fall back on like right. Kyler Murray has. He'll have like 150 yards and two interceptions. It'll, It'll look like Aaron Andrew Luck running around. <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, a bad game from him would look like a bad game looked for Rosen last year. You know what I mean? You don't, and that's not helpful for your fantasy team. 115 was, uh, or sorry, no, two, 210 10. was Drew Locke to the Broncos. So it's an Elway pick, great arm strength behind Flacco. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of faith in Elway. I don't mind Drew Locke because he does have a really great arm. He's been able to connect uh, in college, et cetera. But aren't there just too many problems that go along with him? Um, he, the, the comparison that I've heard with Drew Locke that makes a ton of sense is Jay Cutler yeah. in that he, he relies, he relies too much on his arm and his athleticism and not enough on the fundamentals. Right. Um, you've seen, how many times have you seen Cutler make a weird off balance throw that he shouldn't make? Just All the he time. Just he can make it with his arms. Is straight. that what we should expect from Locke? I think Locke's got a little bit of that to him. If you could put the third string quarterback, Brett Rippon's fundamentals and brain into Drew Locke. He he would have been number one overall. <laughs> so so maybe uh, a year behind Flacco and maybe some coaching perhaps could help him out. Maybe. But I think Elway is just not doing well. I see the same thing that I saw with the Patriots, but with quarterbacks in Denver. So since 2010, they drafted Tim Tebow. They drafted Brock Osweiler. They drafted uh, no name named Zach Dysert, um, Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch, and Chad Kelly. So they're failing. Oh, 100%. But I know this, uh, like Paxton you, Lynch was a, was a good prospect. You, you liked Paxton you Lynch. You can't read Sean. into a seventh. You can't read into a seventh I, round. Okay, ignore the so, Zach Dysert. So, well, Dysert, <laughs> Simeon, and, and Chad Kelly were all, I think, seventh rounders. Um, or sixth, maybe. They were all Chad late. Kelly was definitely a seventh rounder. No, so Sean oh, has God. a point. He's saying mm-hmm. they're they're drafting guys as like uh, last possibilities. Yeah, you can't, you can't oh, use yeah, those guys to... He was the first of their three seven-round picks. But yeah, you, know saying? you can't use a seventh-round yeah. quarterback as a knock against the guy's ability to evaluate no. quarterbacks. Yeah. Uh, but Paxton Lynch, well, you can. Well, he's the guy who wound up with. playing a bunch. Well, that, it's just yeah, because I mean, of injuries. Simeon had so. a productive year or two as a starter, as a seventh-rounder, yeah. which almost is a better thing to find a seventh-round guy who can play is better than is a bigger plus than the negative of whiffing on a first Well, let's round. move on, guys. The point is, Locke, Locke has a good arm, but that's about it. We're not really uh, thinking of him as a great future quarterback, correct? And, and I think Flacco starts all of this year. I, I mean, agree. Locke may make a couple starts late in the year if they're not winning games, but more than likely Flacco is the guy for 2018 or 2019. Will Greer with the Panthers may or may not be moving on from Cam Newton, but not this year and not next year. Uh, so is this guy someone who could make starts as a Panther? Sure. But will it happen this year? No, not unless uh, Newton gets injured. Sure, and I, I kind of like the landing spot. Greer's from Charlotte. I actually, um, I, I've seen uh, tape on Greer. He's actually a good quarterback. I would, I would make the case that he is the second best quarterback in this class after Kyler. So Murray. you like a lot of Greer. I like Greer a lot. You want some Greer? And he, the All way right. that he plays is he's very good at, at throwing, it's like anticipating guys coming open and throwing the ball, and they've got receivers in Carolina that are that type of receiver that'll separate with quickness Yeah, in DJ Moore in Curtis Samuel. They've got players that do that. And I think that that meshes well with what he does. The question is, is he ever going to play Cam Newton? Right. The injuries have been an issue. Um, you feel like with Cam, with the amount of hits he takes, he's either going to play for like another year or two and be done or play for another 10 years and be fine. And not anything in between. <laughs> <laughs> And then we've got uh, uh, Jarrett Stidham, uh, who was drafted by the Patriots, and and perhaps he could be another successor to Brady. But but I don't know. I I think they just need another backup there because they don't have anybody currently. But that's a guy who was originally maybe the number one quarterback prospect of this entire uh, crew, and who then moved on to, like you said, based on uh, his college, based on the, his performance uh, last year, which was pretty piss poor. 
Um, he just dropped dramatically. Yeah, um, he's he's a guy where the parts of his game are greater than the sum. Like when you put them all together, it's not it doesn't add up to as much as the parts do. Um, but he. Yeah, I, I think he's just depth. They do still have Brian Hoyer uh, as the other QB. Uh, I don't know that Stidham beats out Hoyer as the number two. And I think we're talking in three years about the new heir apparent to Tom Brady. Yep. It's funny. <laughs> I look at the draft history of the quarterbacks for New England. I see Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> and then um, one other name to throw out there for an end of uh, especially Superflex Dynasty Leagues, Easton Stick. Uh, he's is that a hockey uh, a hockey? He company? is the successor to Carson <laughs> Wentz at North Dakota State. Okay, uh, he's a scrappy quarterback. He's he's you know he's a good player, but he's got some work to do still to develop. But he'll get a year or two behind Philip Rivers, okay. and potentially eventually replace him. Good call. See what happened. We give them money, but are they grateful? No, they're spiteful and they're hateful. They don't respect us, so let's surprise them. We'll drop the big one. Well, thank you, everyone. We've had a lovely evening. So, uh, we've got some bets to talk about, right? Yeah, so we like making bets here on the podcast. We do. We have. Uh, we've we, at least made a couple. We like making them more than we like redeeming them, possibly, but they're fun to redeem as well. <laughs> I know that uh, Dave and I have to, I believe, take Sean to a brewery downtown, um, and uh, oftentimes uh, Sean has brought us Lou Malnati's for a podcast. That's happened a couple times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what do we got uh, for the rookies right now? So we're gonna do. We're gonna do. F- Five bets, uh, basically, or basically pick, and whoever does the best on these wins, uh, you know, whoever actually, basically, whoever comes in last is going to owe for the bet, right? That's where right. we're going to set it up. Okay. Um, so we're going to do one for each position, and then a bonus one uh, between which which of two teammates is going to do better. So they're over unders. The first one is for quarterback, uh, Kyler Murray, over or under twenty five total touchdowns, and if there's a push, we're going to count it as an over. Uh, okay. So rushing, passing TDs combined over Pushes under over. 25. Well, um, the way we usually do it is that someone starts and then it moves clockwise for each, uh, and then a subsequent. new player will start on each. So one. can I just start on this one? You guys cool with that? Go for it. Okay. I say over, um, uh, I will go under. I am going to take the over as well. He sets the line and he takes the over. You guys. No, I'm kidding. Uh, who's our next player, Sean? Uh, the next player is Josh Jacobs, the running back. Over or under 1,000 yards from scrimmage? That's Jason first. Um, By the way, what are we Josh betting on? Josh Jacobs. I think Lumonati sounds good again, personally. Sure. The the loser brings Lumonati to the next podcast yeah. we do. Perfect. Absolutely. Perfect. I like it. Um, so that means it's going to be here because there's no Lumonati's by your house. There is. Is there? Uh-huh. Oh. I guess, you know. You've It'll got, still probably be here because it's easier for me. You get one of everything. <laughs> uh, so, I... It's on Randall, believe I, it or I'm not. tempted to go under on a lot of these. <laughs> I was going to say you have one of everything on Randall. We are going to have very different answers on these, Jason. <laughs> I'm tempted to go under on a lot of rookie stuff because they're rookies and you never know. And yeah. by default, they're not doing much. But there's no one else to do stuff there. So, I'm going over. Okay. I like it. I'm going to go over as well. Over. Okay, so Our, should we move the line? 
Um, Should we move it to 1100? Oh, this guy. Well, we all took over. There's no sure. point in all. I'm, I'm the still same over thing. at 1100. 1100. If you want to move it to 1100, I'm still over. Dave, are you still over at 11? Or shouldn't it be you first? I guess it should be. I still would go over. Over. Uh, let's move to 12. <laughs> we don't have time for this. <laughs> I'll go under at 1200. That one's it's, it's pushing a little bit closer. I'm going to still go over. All purpose, right? Yards yeah. from scrimmage, Rushing, not receiving. all purpose. We're not counting return yards, but I don't think he's going to do any returning. <sighs> That's hard. 1,200 yards. <sighs> well, you were, for, if, you were if certain at 11. If he has 20 11. passing yards and put him over the top, though, that'd be something else. We're going to do scrimmage yards. I'll say under. All right, who's our next player? All right, next one is going to be wide receiver, and it is Miles Boykin. Like I said, that's my plant, my flag guy this year. I'm a big fan. Okay. Over, under 600 receiving yards. Um, what, and I think I'm first You're on first. This one. What team is he on? Baltimore Ravens. Ravens. He was oh, he's the second, second wide receiver they The picked. second receiver they gotcha. selected. I'm going over the 600 yards. I think he's going to lead the Ravens in receiving yards. Oh, boy. You could lead the Ravens in with 500 yards. <laughs> I'm still saying over. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I, what he's t- told me about Boykin is infectious. But just by, by virtue of what's happened last year and who they already have on the team, which, granted, is not really anybody, I don't believe in the Ravens, uh, and I'm a Steelers fan, so under. I'm going under as well because 600 receiving yards is half of what <laughs> of what Lamar Jackson got last year. That's true. So the fourth one here is tight end, and this one is TJ Hawkinson. Over or under seven touchdowns receiving. That's me, right? I go first. Yeah. Yes. I say over. Ooh. I'm going under because it's the Lions, not just because I'm a curmudgeon. I just I'm, think he's a red zone here. I'm going to go under because it's a, a rookie tight end and it's the Lions. Okay. I mean, those are, yeah, I'm going to go under. Let's, let's have some and sense so in this. <laughs> our, our bonus question, uh, wide receivers, who will have more receiving yards this year, Andy Isabella or Hakeem Butler? Uh, Cardinals receivers, Butler's the big guy, red zone. Uh, Isabella is the 5'8", 188-pound, uh, right. really fast um, slot guy. So it's on me first. I'm going to go with Butler because you convinced me uh, when we were just talking about them. There was I, a, wait, I did? Yeah. I'm going to go with Isabella. <laughs> oh, I thought, well. <laughs> My favorite tweet about Butler was like uh, kids playing a video game or something like that. What, what was it? Somebody, somebody I tweeted. Have, I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> Butler's a ridiculous athlete, but I think it'll take him a little while to get really good in the NFL. So I'm going to go with Isabella, who's uh, going to be very, um, very quick for Murray to pass to because there's no offensive line. Then I'm going with Butler <laughs> because his name is closest to under. There you go. <laughs> you do like the unders. So one of us, uh, well, two of us will receive a uh, all expenses paid Limon Nadi's pizza. At our next podcast, which will probably be uh, sometime in the in the preseason in in August or uh, something like that, so I look forward to it. Um, we have one more uh, song to play here. If uh, Jason has that queued up, we should do it. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Well, thank you for podcasting tonight. It was a pleasure. I've learned so much about rookies. I hope that I've asked the right questions. The, the fact is none of us really know anything. <laughs> I know, I know. But we can't tell them that. 
Oh, oh, I just <laughs> did. I've, I've blown the lid off this whole thing. Uh, I'd like. I'd like. Giving us a peek behind the curtain. I'd like for Sean to give any final thoughts he might have on this particular class. Anybody you really think is going to rise above or fall below? Um, my my biggest thing I would say with this class is take shots on wide receivers. Um, I think there's a lot of decent wide receivers in this class. If yeah. you're in rookie drafts, that's those are the guys that I would be taking my shots on. The running back class is not nearly as deep as the receiver class is. Um, and obviously at quarterback, if you don't get Kyler, I wouldn't go out of my way to go after any of the other guys. Well, I think we agree with Sean. So take some shots at wide receiver, and we'll see you guys later. 